Uh, Well, friends, it came as a great shock. News travels fast in Christian circles. But this wasn't good news. It was terrible news. One of our friends, Kim, was now no longer calling herself a Christian. It had been a while since she stopped going to church, but it was now obvious that she had turned her back on Jesus. It came as such a shock because Kim was a solid Christian person. In high school, she came to receive Jesus as her Lord and Saviour. During her university days, she was hungry for God's word and she attended conferences and Bible studies and was keen to get involved in everything. She was active in her local church. She even shared her faith with others. If there was ever a person that I would bet my life Uh, that she would persevere in the Christian life, it would be Kim. And yet, many years down the track, something happened. It wasn't that she started to live an outwardly rebellious life. She was married. She was children. She was still uh, a pleasant person to be around. And yet something had changed. She now publicly would not call herself a Christian, She had walked away from Jesus. Now, I've changed the name to Kim, but Kim is a real person, and you might know of people like Kim. Uh, You might know of friends or family or even pastors who you could have bet your life on to persevere in the Christian life, and yet something happens and they walk away from Jesus. Do you know people like that? We might try to rationalise it by saying that they probably were not Christians to begin with, but everything about them pointed to their genuineness as Christian people. How can this happen? And if it happened to them, could it happen to us? Well, uh, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews for the past little while. Uh, If you remember, last week we began to look at uh, what is the heart of the book of Hebrews, uh, which looks at the high priestly ministry of Jesus. And yet in today's passage, you'll notice that the writer of Hebrews digresses from this topic and he launches into a sobering warning not to fall away from the faith. Uh, It's a passage that has worried many Christians in the history of the church because it raises questions about whether genuine Christian people can fall away from the living God. And so let's have a look at this passage and consider carefully what God is saying to us here. Now the first thing I want you to see in our passage this morning is that the thing that puts you in danger of falling away is spiritual immaturity. The thing that puts you in danger of falling away is spiritual immaturity. Uh, In these opening verses, the writer of Hebrews confronts his readers about their spiritual immaturity. Uh, You'll notice there in chapter 5, verse 11, that the problem with the Hebrew Christians was that they had become dull of hearing. Literally, the word for dull is sluggish. They had become as slow as a slug in understanding God's word. Uh, That's why the writer of Hebrews hesitates to go on teaching about the the high priestly ministry of Jesus 
Uh, it's because he's afraid that the Hebrew Christians simply will not understand what he's, what he's talking about. But it seems that this dullness of hearing has led to the Hebrew Christians becoming spiritually immature in their lives over time. In other words, they have become spiritual babies. Uh, What are the characteristics of spiritual babies? Uh, Well, uh, I think this passage tells us two things. Firstly, spiritual babies are the ones who are constantly dependent on others to teach them the basics of Christian faith. Uh, You can see it there in verse 12. Verse 12, uh, chapter 5, verse 12. For though by, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Now, There's nothing wrong um, with being dependent on others, is there? One of the wonderful things about being part of God's people is that uh, we are are always dependent on one another in one way or another. Uh, Neither is there anything wrong with being a spiritual baby who is dependent on others. Uh, You know, when we begin to follow Jesus for the first time, uh, what we experience is new birth in Christ. And we enter the Christian life as a baby, and we have all these other people helping us to grow in our faith. Uh, You can probably think of people who have loved you when you first became a Christian, and who sat down with you and read the Bible with you and uh, helped you to grow. Uh, They discipled you. But there comes a time when every Christian person ought to have grown up enough to be able to help others to be able to teach others, to be able to disciple others. Now, I don't think the writer of Hebrews is saying here that everyone is to become a leader in the church. But he is saying that if you've been a Christian for many years and you still have not grasped the basics of the Christian gospel so that you can teach others and disciple others and help them grow in their faith, well, there is something seriously wrong. Secondly, spiritual babies are the ones who cannot digest solid food. Spiritual babies are the ones who cannot digest solid food. You know, it's true of babies in general, isn't it? Uh, Adeline is someone who can only digest milk at, at, at this point in time and not solid food. In a similar way, spiritual babies are only able to digest spiritual milk and unable to digest spiritual solids. What is spiritual milk? Well, I think the milk here is a metaphor for basic Christian teaching. Uh, Helpfully, the writer of Hebrews spells spells it out for us in chapter 6, where he speaks of the basics of the Christian faith that the the Hebrew Christians are to build on, the foundations that they are to build on. Uh, In verse 1, you'll notice that he mentions things like repentance from dead works and faith in God. Uh, He's talking about how one begins the Christian life. In verse 2, he speaks about washings and the laying on of hands. I think he may be speaking here about Baptism and prayer, uh, which is how people were received into the life of the Christian community. 
In verse 3, he speaks about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, uh, which is a reference to basic Christian teaching about the afterlife. You see, milk refers to this kind of basic teaching about the Christian faith. Now, it's not that the writer of Hebrews is saying that these Christians ought to leave these basics behind and go on to some sort of higher knowledge about God. You know, we never leave these things behind, do we? We never leave behind faith and repentance, for example. We never leave church behind. We never leave our hope of resurrection behind. But he is saying that those who are mature ought to be building on these foundations so that they grow deeper in their understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it means to follow him. Why can't these spiritual babies, these Hebrews, seem to grow deeper in the understanding of God's word? Is it because they were not intelligent enough, perhaps? Is it because they were simple people who couldn't grasp complicated things in the Bible? Well, no. What the writer of Hebrews says is that it's because they were not in the habit of putting these things into practice. They were not in the habit of putting God's word into practice. You can see it there in uh, chapter 5, verse 13. In chapter 5, verse 13, we see that they required milk because they were unskilled in the word of righteousness. In other words, God's word is meant to lead us to righteousness and to righteous living. But uh, it seems that in this case, that was not the case. On the other hand, in chapter 5, verse 14, you'll notice that the ones who are able to grow in their understanding of God's word are the ones who are constantly putting into practice the things they hear. There is a connection between the things they hear uh, at church on a Sunday to the li- their lives during the week. You see, friends, not growing in God's word is not primarily because of a lack of intellect, but it is a moral issue. Those who do not obey God's word do not grow in it. Those who do obey God's word are those who hunger to know God more and so grow in it. Um, There's a man living in the UK called Derek Ventham. Uh, Derek Ventham, no, um, uh, no relationship to our Derek. Um, he is a 52-year-old man. He is married. Uh, by all appearances, he looks very normal. Yet, he has this particular urge to be a child. And so, in the privacy of his home, he dresses up as a baby, and he wears adult nappies, and he uh, has his wife... Uh, feed him milk from a bottle. In fact, he's begun a business where other adults can come and dress up as babies as well. Uh, They can be fed while sitting in an adult high chair. They can have their nappies changed on an adult change table. They can have a nap in the adult cot. And astonishingly, this business is booming. Friends, you'd have to agree, wouldn't you, that there is something seriously wrong with a person like that. 
And yet I wonder whether uh, sometimes in our churches there are many people, adult people, who are really spiritual babies, who have not yet grown up in the faith to teach others. Are you and I like this? Have we been Christians for many years, but we still need others to constantly teach us the basics of the Christian faith because we still have not been convinced? Are you someone who has been a Christian for a long time and yet have not grown in our understanding of God's word because we are slow to put these things into practice? It's a serious question because the writer of Hebrews is saying that if you are a spiritual baby after many years, then you are putting yourself in great danger of falling away. And so you need to grow up as a matter of urgency is what he's saying here. You need to leave behind your immaturity and start growing in your faith. If you are someone who's been confronted by the things that the writer of Hebrews is saying then perhaps uh, the, the point uh, where you need to start is you need to speak to someone about it. Uh, perhaps you need to uh, speak to someone that you trust about where you really are in your Christian life and ask them to help you to get going again. Uh, speak to your growth group leader. Speak to uh, one of our student ministers. Uh, speak to me. Ask for help about how you can start growing again as a Christian. But if you leave this morning without having done anything about it, know that God is saying to you that you are putting yourself in great spiritual danger. It is possible to grow with God's help, but you will never grow if you don't do anything about it. Uh, Well, friends, uh, we've seen the writer of Hebrews confront uh, those he is writing to, saying they are spiritual babies. But in the next few verses, he gives these spiritual babies the most serious of warnings. Uh, And you can see it there uh, in chapter 6, verse 4. So if you have your Bibles, uh, have a look at chapter 6, verse 4. He says, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and who have have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Uh, Now these are very sobering words, aren't they? But I just want to make a few uh, quick observations uh, which I hope will help us to understand uh, these words rightly. Uh, Firstly, notice that the writer of Hebrews is not speaking here about the Hebrew Christians. Uh, Yes, it is true that the Hebrew Christians were spiritual babies and in danger of falling away, but he is not saying here that they are the ones who have fallen away. Uh, You can see this because in the previous verses that we've been looking at, uh, the writer addresses the Hebrews directly uh, by using the word you. Uh, You have become dull of hearing. You ought to be teachers. You need milk. But in chapter 6, verse 4, he begins to speak not, not about you, Hebrew Christians, but about those 
who have fallen away. In other words, he's holding up these other people who have fallen away as a warning sign for the Hebrew Christians. Secondly, notice that the ones who have fallen away in these verses are the ones who have publicly turned their back on Jesus and decidedly uh, made their stance to live apart from him. Uh, We are not exactly sure why they turned their back on Jesus from these verses. Uh, You know, people can turn their back on Jesus for many reasons. Perhaps uh, it's worldliness or suffering or public persecution. But here they have publicly turned their back on Jesus and have settled in their heart that they do not want him in their lives. Uh, That's why it says in uh, verse 6 that they are crucifying the Son of God all over again. It's because they are now no different to those people who have put Jesus to death on the cross. They are showing the same kind of contempt for Jesus as those who crucified him and wanted him out of their lives. Thirdly, I want you to notice here that this is a warning passage. I think this is very important for us to see because uh, lots of commentaries I've read this week um, talk a lot about whether the people being described here are genuine Christian people. Or if they are, then it means that genuine Christian people can fall away. And so what's to say that I can't fall away? Or if I've been simply drifting in my Christian life, then does that mean that I I may have fallen away already? Uh, You see, it raises all these kind of questions. And it robs us of any assurance of salvation in our lives. And many Christians have felt a great deal of anxiety after reading passages like this. But friends, the thing I want you to see here is that this warning passage and warnings in the Bible in general uh, function not to rob you of assurance, but to keep you safe. You know, recently there was a great white shark discovered around Botany Bay. Uh, Did you see that in in the news uh, a while back? The shark was spotted swimming in in pretty shallow waters where people usually swim. Uh, It's not the first time a dangerous shark was spotted in these waters, and so now if you go down to Botany Bay, you see all these big signs uh, with pictures of sharks on them telling you not to go into the water. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but what this warning sign is designed to do is not, you know, for people to stand in front of the sign pondering whether human beings can really be eaten by sharks. But these warning signs are there to keep you safe, aren't they? They're designed to tell you, don't go in the water. They're designed to keep you safe. And so these warning passages are no different. They are a real warning from God... But if you are a Christian person, then know that God's intention is to keep you safe. And so if you are someone who has been drifting in your Christian life for a long time, then what God is saying is to heed his warning. If you are someone who has been a Christian for a long time but has very little show for it, then it's time to heed God's warning 
If you are someone who has been a Christian for a long time and you are still spiritually an infant, then it's time to grow up. For you ignore God's word to your peril. He is not joking when he uh, uh, gives us warnings like this. And if you turn your back on Jesus, then there is every chance that God will not bring you back to repentance. And I can't think of a greater tragedy in anyone's life than that. Uh, Well, friends, uh, the writer of Hebrews has had some very sobering things to say to us uh, this morning. Uh, He's confronted us about uh, the potential of spiritual immaturity. He's given us a stern warning not to fall away. But in the final part of our passage this morning, he wants to give us comfort and hope so that we will keep on persevering in our Christian lives by faith. Uh, Now, you can see there that he firstly gives uh, the Hebrew Christians hope and encouragement by speaking about their works. Uh, You can see it there in chapter 6, verse 9. Let's pick it up from chapter 6, verse 9. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You see, the writer of Hebrews expresses his confidence here that these Hebrew Christians will not fall away, but that they will continue to persevere because of their past and their present works. Because their past and present works are evidence of the genuineness of their faith. Notice that they are people who have been working hard to do good works. They are people who not only claim to love God, but have shown it by loving and serving God's people. And so the writer of Hebrews uh, expresses his confidence that they are the genuine deal. And he encourages them to keep going in this way. But friends, uh, while the writer of Hebrews encourages these Christians on the basis of their works and their love, he also says that the real source of their hope lies securely in the character of God who always keeps his promises. The real source of their hope lies securely in the character of God who always keeps his promises to his people. Uh, Let's pick it up from verse 13. Chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, And in all disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. 
We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, Now, you'll see there that the writer of Hebrews uses Abraham as a great example of the way God keeps his promises. Uh, You might remember that uh, God makes wonderful promises to Abraham. And uh, in the Bible, Abraham is the great exemplar of what it looks like to live by faith, uh, patiently trusting uh, the word of God and waiting for his promises to be fulfilled. However, in this passage, the writer of Hebrews takes us to Genesis 22, which uh, we read earlier in our Old Testament reading, um, where God tests Abraham's faith by asking him to sacrifice his only son before he proceeds to reaffirm his promises to uh, to Abraham to bless him and to multiply his descendants so that they will outnumber the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. However, in Genesis 22, uh, you might have noticed that God reaffirms this promise with an oath. Uh, You know, if you have ever needed to give evidence in a court of law, um, they ask you to say an oath by putting your hand on the Bible and saying that you swear before God that you are going to tell the truth. By appealing to a higher authority, what you are saying is that you are utterly serious about uh, the things that you say, that they are the truth. And what God does in Genesis 22 is he takes an oath. But because there is no one higher in authority than himself, he swears by himself that he will keep his promises to Abraham. And so you have the promise and you have an oath. It's, it's almost a, a dub doubly serious promise in that sense. Uh, Now you'll see in chapter 6 verse 15 that we are told that Abraham did obtain the things that were promised to him. How? Well, he did receive Isaac back. He did receive his son back from the danger of death so that through him He could have descendants, and through him, he could receive the blessing. And yet the astonishing thing here is that the writer of Hebrews says that the promises God made to Abraham with an oath in Genesis 22 are promises that are also made to his spiritual heirs, people like the Hebrew Christians and people like you and me who have put our faith in God. And so, friends, can you see that just as Abraham patiently walked by faith in God's promises because he knew that God was somebody who can be trusted to keep his promises, we are also urged not to give up in our Christian lives but to walk by faith because these promises are also for us. And we also know that God keeps his promises For in Jesus, God has fulfilled all his promises to Abraham. And through Jesus, we have the great promise of eternal life. For he is our great high priest 
the one who has passed through the heavens as our as a forerunner the one who trailblazed that way so that we might follow him and so will you and i walk by faith will we repent of our spiritual immaturity if we need to do that this morning and will we anchor our soul in jesus and the promises that we have in him so that we do not drift away from him but find eternal salvation in him let's pray together heavenly father we thank you for your word to us this morning we thank you that in your great kindness uh, your word exposes our sin and your word warns us but that your word also comforts us and guides us onto right paths now father we thank you that despite our sinfulness and uh, perhaps even our immaturity you are a god who is faithful to us we thank you that you have made great promises to abraham and that these promises are now ours in the lord jesus christ and father we pray that you would help us this morning to see your faithful character and we pray that our faith can rest on you Uh, and who you are and what you have done for us in the Lord Jesus. Help us to anchor ourselves in your faithfulness to us and strengthen us to persevere in our lives, following him who has entered the heavens as our forerunner. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.